Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank God for bringing us once again this morning. Even as we sing this song, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace, um, it connects very well to um, the title of today's sermon as we continue with our series on Philippians. We are on Philippians chapter 4, verse um, 2 and 3. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. The title of the sermon is Conflict Resolution. Conflict Resolution. Let me read Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, and then we continue as we look at God's word this morning. Amen. Such a joy to be with you and to also worship the Lord with you, to sing to the Lord with you. Let us hear the reading of God's word this morning. I entreat Yudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers, of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for such a blessing to come together as a church to sing out to you. Thank you for the blessing of just having to sit down and hear your word. We pray that as your word is declared this morning, that our hearts will be opened, our minds will be alert. Um, we pray that you help us, O oh God, to receive your word, that our will will be conformed to your will, that you will be honored in our midst even this morning. We praise you and we glorify your name. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. You see, as a community of Christ, we are made up of different people from different backgrounds and all walks of life. And people who, we, we are made up of people who come with their way of doing life and, and of seeing life. And in this kind of community, it is a guarantee that at some point, as an individual, you will experience having a conflict with someone or, or having your feelings hurt by another Christian. And, and I don't say this to discourage you from getting involved, but rather I'm saying it to help you think realistically and to be prepared for the inevitable in the community of Christ. We, we tend to think um, romantically since we are all that, that, that since we are all Christians living by the Bible and filled with the Holy Spirit obeying the command to love one another that there won't be any conflicts among us and, and such idealism to think about it is not realistic right whether in a church or in a Christian family it, it, it's not a, a, a realistic uh, uh, um, idealism it's 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 it, there will be conflict there's a poem actually that uh, captures this idea very well it says to dwell with the saints we love to to dwell above with the saints we love oh that will be glory but to dwell below with the saints we know that's a different story and as we've seen as we looked at um this, this series of Philippians, 
the, the first church in Philippi was made up of people from diverse backgrounds. There was the mature and probably widowed uh, businesswoman from Asia, Lydia, with a Jewish background. And, and there was the, the Philippian jailer with, with a pagan background. And, 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 and probably there was also the slave girl with an occult background. And, and, and we need to think about it in this way. It is the glory of God uh, that the church be composed of, of different uh, people from all cultural backgrounds on, and from all racial backgrounds. It is, it is when God, it, it shows the glory and the beauty of our unity in Christ, right? But that as well sets a stage for conflict. It, it also sets a stage for conflict. The two women in the church in the Philippian church here, of whom we know nothing about except what is written in chapter 4, verse 2 and, and, and 3, we're having a conflict. But looking at what Paul writes here, and, 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 and a few other verses on the same topic, we can learn how to get along with one another. It, it is of vital importance that we do so, and, and not only so uh, that, that we, we, we can be at peace, but for the sake of the gospel. Right? That is the most important thing. We, we, we must be at peace for the sake of the gospel. It, 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 the, our unity must show the transforming power of the gospel. Christians must work at resolving conflict so that the church can focus on the work of the gospel. Here in this passage, we see four things about resolving conflicts. Four things about resolving conflicts, and let us go through them. First of all, uh, just even looking at, um, in, in terms of the summary of, of verses 2 and 3, uh, uh, resolving conflicts is work. Resolving conflict is work. You see, it, it, it's never easy to resolve a conflict. It, it's always easier to, to do or to avoid it, right? It is easy to avoid it. We, we all have a tendency to shrink from, from confrontation. We feel, we feel anxious about how the other person will take it. We, we are not sure if it will escalate the conflict to tr when we try to deal with it. And because of these factors, the, the most common way people deal with conflict with another church member is to leave and find another church. Most of the time, that is how conflict is, is being dealt with and when you observe uh, Christians nowadays. See, in the New Testament times, they didn't have that option. There, there was no option like that. Uh, since there was only one church per city. That's why when you find Paul writing letters, he would say to the church in Corinth or to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Philippi, there was only one church in the city. And it would be better if, if we couldn't just hop from one church to another because we take, we take the easy way out and, and miss the growth and the testimony that can come through working things out together in a biblical manner, Right? We, we, we miss so much when we, when we hop out of one church because of this conflict and go to another church trying to avoid conflict after conflict after conflict because we are looking for the perfect church, right? I remember one person said, if you ever find a perfect church, he says, don't go in there because you will mess it up. So it's, it's, it's very important that we, we, we see the necessity 
of, of dealing with conflicts for our growth and for the testimony of the power of the gospel in the church. A lot of times we tend to, we, 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 we need to recognize that it is work and, 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 and commit ourselves to at least attempt to work through the problems before we consider separating. And this leads us to a second point about conflict resolution. And this is it. Second point about conflict resolution. Resolving conflict is the first, is first the job of those involved in the conflict. Is that, does that sound clear? That resolving conflict is, the, is, the, is first the job of those involved in the conflict. And look at what Paul says here. He, 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 he addresses two women here in verse 2. He, he repeats the verb to each woman. Right, look at what he says. He says, I entreat Judea and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. He calls both these women to agree in the Lord. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 5, Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, the, the, the situation is reversed here in that your brother um, has something against you. Yet in both situations, it is compulsory on you to take the initiative to go to your brother, right? To, to go. And think about it this way. Many relational problems in churches would be quickly resolved if we would, we would follow this simple guideline in the Bible. To take the initiative in going to the other person to try to clear up the problem between us. One common mistake or, or sin is for the one who feels wronged to talk to many others about the person who wronged him or her rather than going to the person directly. That is the, the first common mistake we make. Instead of trying to resolve the conflict, we, we escalate it, right? By, by going from one person to the other, telling them how this person has wronged me. And, 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 and when we are doing that, just think about it, we are painting this other person in, 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 a, in a wrong light to other people, right? We are, we are, we are, we are in ruining their character. We, it, it's called character assassination. When we go from one person to another and not going to that person to, to resolve the conflict, it, it, it is fine to go to a mature spiritual leader who can be trusted to keep the confidences in, in order to, to, to gain their wisdom on how to approach the person who wronged you. But it is not okay to talk to several other people. Uh, this is gossip. It is, it is slender. And it, 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 it only compounds the problem. It escalates the problem. It does not solve it. You see, let me just offer you just... Um, uh, practical suggestions here when you go or if you can before you go to to resolve a conflict with someone that you're in conflict with let me just give you two practical suggestions first of all identify the true problem or source of the conflict identify the source of the conflict we, we don't know what the root of the problem was between Yudia and, and Sintaiki here uh, mo most problems between Christians can be can be grouped under several hates let me just give you a, a few um, it, it can be a personal 
wrong. It is when someone has sinned against you or, or did something wrong to offend you. Most of the time it is that. Or it can be a, a, a personal clash. Um, the, the person where you, you, you just rubs you the, the wrong way, right? You, you feel like they rub you the wrong way every time they say something. It seems like it's something that, um, it, it, that comes and cuts you. And uh, so, so, so it, it mostly um, like that. I, again, it's a, it's a, it's a methodolo- methodology difference. You, you don't agree with how they are doing something. Or most of the time, it's a, it's a doctrinal difference where they, they probably believe or teach something that you think is not in the scripture and you need to approach them to, to, to deal with the matter. Or most commonly, or so it, it, it might be a combination of, of the, 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 the things that I've, 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 I've enumerated um, above. So, so it's, it's very important that we, we do what? We identify the true problem or, or the source of conflict before we approach someone. I've often found that Christians tend to label problems as, as doctrinal differences because it sounds more spiritual, right? It sounds more spiritual and, and makes me look right when I say I'm defending the truth. But often doctrinal differences is just a covering for, for, personal, for a personal problem or, or a sin. You're covering up sin. And I'm not saying it's never um, doctrinal differences, but mostly we use it just to cover up. Also, it's, it's possible to, to, to hold correct doctrine. Listen to this. It's, it's possible to hold correct doctrine, but still be insensitive in your approach. Being proud when you approach someone, it often results in, in conflicts. When, when, you, when you try to, to resolve it. You can be right doctrinally, yet sinning in the way um, you use your correct view to think that you are better than your brother, that you are wiser than your brother, that you are smarter um, than your brother or sister in Christ. Or, or, you, or you use it sometimes to put down the other person, showing them how wrong they are, instead of gently correcting them as the scriptures say so. If you read the, the, the pastoral epistles and, and how Paul um, suggests that Timothy deals with people that are, are teaching the wrong doctrine, you'll see how Paul calls them to gentleness, right? To, 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 to do it with love, to do it with, with, with a spirit that wants to win the other brother over. Here's another suggestion that me give you. When you want to resolve conflict, Go to the other person in a spirit of gentleness and humility, seeking to restore the relationship. That must be the goal, the restoration of the relationship. If the other person has sinned, or you don't go to blast him or to give him a piece of your mind. It seems that that's what we do most of these days. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. He doesn't know me very well. She doesn't know me very well. I'm just going to tell her where to get off. You must check yourself, making sure that you are in submission to the Holy Spirit at that time, and that your motive is to restore the person, not to blow him away or or blow her away. You you look at yourself 
lest you too be tempted. Right? Galatians 6 verse 1. This means that you, you can recognize that you too are a sinner. You, you, you don't go as a holier than thou kind of person. You see yourself as a sinner in need of grace, approaching a sinner in need of grace. There must be that, 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 that thought in your mind. You deal with your anger or, or your bitterness that, that you feel before you approach the person. You spend time in prayer, waiting on God for the right attitude, the, the timing, the, the, the place to deal with the matter. You think through it in a proper uh, um, way, the, the proper words to use. Let me say this, just, um, as a, as a, uh, um, just not to digress. Most conflicts escalate because of the kinds of words that we use. If, if, if we were to, 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 to sit down and, and, and think about words, there's, there's actually a book that my wife and I are reading, Sweethearts for Life, I, I recommend it. Um, um, and, and he talks about, um, Dr. Wayne Meck talks about um, um, communication, and he says, uh, in communication, you, you have to approach each, each other in kindness and, and gentleness. That there has to be kindness and gentleness when you approach the other person who has wronged you, when you communicate. You don't communicate with arrogance and self-righteousness. There, there must be a hard check. You must check your heart. Your, your manner and, and your attitude must be gentle, not rough or, or, or cutting. Uh, when, you, when you approach someone, don't, don't go in an, in an accusing spirit, trying to, to convince them of how wrong they are. You, 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 when you go, it's, it's good to ask yourself a question first, to, to make sure that you understand the situation before you go. So, so, so the first thing in any conflict is for those who are involved to get together in a spirit of love, right? In, in, in submission to God, to, to seek to work it out. And if it fails, the third point about resolving conflict should be taken to mind. Let's look at the third point. This is the third point. Resolving conflict sometimes requires the help of an outside party. Resolving conflicts sometimes requires the help of an outside party. Look at what Paul says to these women. He calls these women to reconcile and to agree in the Lord, right? And then this is what he says. Listen to, to verse 3. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and with the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He's calling someone outside to come and help these women. Paul calls on his true companion to help Yudia um, and Sintaiki. And, and commentators uh, make many suggestions here as, as who was the, the true um, companion that Paul is talking about uh, and as to the identity. But the bottom line, we, bottom line is that nobody knows, right? Nobody knows. We will never know. And, and, and here's the thing. Even though we will never know the exact referent that, that Paul is talking to here, we, we, we have not lost the point. 
for, for, for some, uh, we, we know here that the point is this. For, for, for conflicts to be resolved in a God-honoring way, there needs to be a mediator. There needs to be someone, someone who comes alongside these two people because sometimes these two people uh, uh, might not reconcile, right? Because pride prevents people from reconciling, right? Seems like I'm giving a talk and I'm not preaching, but anyways, just, just let us, let us uh, um, be, uh, let us focus here. We, we, we see that there needs to be, um, in order for conflicts to be resolved, there needs to be an outside party. And we can learn several things here as we look at this passage about such a mediator, such an outside party. Let me, let me just enumerate them for you. First of all, we see that the outside party should be a mature, committed Christian. The, 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 it must be a mature person. Uh, the, the, Paul uses the title of true companion. If you look at verse, verse 3, he says true companion. It shows that Paul considered whoever this was as a mature Christian who, who was committed to the work of the gospel. Uh, you, you, you don't want to go to someone after, after having disclosed this conflict that they go and slander that person, Right? You, you want to go to someone who is wise. The, the, the principle of Galatians 6 verse 1, to, to, of, 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 uh, where Paul says, you who are spiritual, that this person will be spiritually matured. Another suggestion about this mediator is that the, the outside party should be objective. He should be or she should be objective. And, and Paul's objectivity here is hinted at, at in, in his double use of the verb. He, he, he says, I entreat Judea, and he says, I entreat Syntyche. He deals with them in the same way. He is objective. He's not picking sides, right? He's, he's not choosing sides. He doesn't take sides or, or imply that one person is right or, or the other person is wrong. The outside party needs to hear both sides of the story before making any judgment of who is at fault. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17 uh, states that the first to plead his case seems just until another comes and examines him. So you need to hear both sides of the story. You don't hear one side of the story, then make judgment from one side of the story. Right? Both sides of the story must, must be heard. Paul is very clear. He treats these women in an equal way. He doesn't take sides. Uh, speaking from experience, it gets sticky when both sides are saying contradictory things and neither party will admit to lying, right? Will, will admit to being wrong. And when that happens, all, all you can do is put the, the past out of the way and deal with the wrong attitude and, and the words that, that, that you perceive in the present. But you need to be as objective towards both sides as you can be. <clears throat> Here's another suggestion. The outside party should be open, direct, and truthful. Can you imagine how these women felt when, when this letter was read in the assembly? You see, when, when these letters were read, they were read as a whole. As, as I said last week, there was no chapter and verse break. They were read as a whole. And, and imagine these women, one probably sitting uh, there and the other sitting at the back, uh, 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 
And, 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 and as they come to this chapter, their names are read out in the assembly. Can you imagine that? Here they are, known in church history for one thing. They are known for one thing, the quarrel they had with each other. But Paul didn't beat around the bush. He named names. And let me say this. Paul does this because he loves these women. Right? He, he loves them. Look at, look at chapter 4, verse 1. Paul, when he refers to the church, he calls them my brothers. He, he, he sees them as his brothers. He says, they are my joy and my crown. They are people that I love and long for. When Paul addresses these women, he's not trying to embarrass them. He does it because he loves them. So he, he discloses this thing so that it can be dealt with, that the gospel will not be attacked because of the outsiders. When outsiders look at the church and they see conflicts and divisions, what will they say about Christ and, and the gospel? What will they say about you saying you're transformed and your life has changed and you're behaving like this? So Paul needed to address. Sometimes we are so careful to tiptoe around um, uh, issues and so so not to try to offend anyone uh, that we end up uh, being vague and, and confusing and not saying anything at the end of the day. Paul didn't drop hints. He was direct, he was specific, and he was truthful. Lastly, this mediator, the, the outside party should be affirming and positive where possible. Right? Paul didn't scold or rebuke these women. He affirms them by mentioning how they had shared in his struggle in the course of the gospel. Along with Clement and, and others not named here, he, he acknowledges that the names of all these dear people are known to God. They are written in the book of life, that, that the, the, the book that is in heaven that contains the name of all of God's elect. He says, these women, I recognize them as Christians. I, I recognize them as beloved in Christ. You see, it's, it's also possible for Christians to... To, 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 to be in conflict with one another. It's not good for the gospel. It's not good for the gospel. It's not good for a testimony of the church to outsiders. Yet Paul affirms these women by referring to them as fellow workers with himself, recognizing and affirming different gifts is, is key to conflict resolution especially in the work of the gospel. You, you recognize how, how these people are, are important in the work of, 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 of the gospel. In, in any conflict, we need to keep in mind and, uh, that our overall goal isn't just to have peace, right? As I said, uh, peace is nice. Yes, peace is nice. And we, we, we will all feel better when everyone is getting along, right? Peace is a nice thing, but that's not the, 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 the only thing. There's a greater goal. And this leads us to our fourth and last point. Resolving conflicts is necessary so that the church can focus on the work of the gospel. Imagine these women. These women were key, right? 
they were key in, 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 in spreading the gospel. Paul's, uh, Paul affirms them. But now they are in conflict. We don't know about what. We, we, we don't know what is making, making them fight. There, there's so many things that can do that. But if they are fighting, the gospel is not spreading, right? In fact, the church's testimony now is being tarnished because of these women. When Paul says that these women have shared his struggle in the gospel, the word, the word that he uses is, is on the, is, he uses of them, it, it, it means that they were in the same team with him in an athletic contest. We, we saw how Paul in Philippians loves, loves using athletics terms, right? So he, he uses this term. He says, these women were in the same team with me. You see, team members have to work together. If they work, if they start fighting with each other, the other team will make it easy for them. Uh, will make it easy in, 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 in doing what? In, 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 in defeating them, right? There was an army commander. He, his name was um, Lord Nelson. He once found his two officers fighting and quarreling in, 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 in the boat and in the sheep. And he, he went to them and grabbed both of them and turned them. And he turned them towards the enemy sheep and exclaimed, Gentlemen, there are your enemies. We, we, we need to remember that the enemy is out there. The prince of darkness who wants nothing but to divide God's people into quarreling factions so that the lost people do not hear the good news that Christ the Savior has come to save them. The, 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 the devil wants to turn the focus of the church from the gospel to fighting among each other. You see, quarreling church members are not witnessing church members. Let me conclude by saying this. As you hear this, I want you to ask yourself this question. Just this one question. Am I at odds with anyone else in this church? Ask yourself that question. Am I at odds with anyone else in this church? If so, I need to work at getting the problem resolved. The answer isn't just to pick up and, and move to another church. That is not the answer. You're going to get to another church and, and start another conflict, probably. And pick up and leave that church and get to another church and start another conflict. It may be hard work to do that. It is, right? It is hard work. It may require some painful self-confrontation. It may require the help of an outside party. But you need to resolve it. You need to. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. The Bible calls us to resolve conflicts among ourselves. It is important that we not only be at peace, but we be at peace for the sake of the gospel. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, 
Indeed, it is our song and our cry. Make me a channel of your peace. Help us, O oh Lord, as a church to unite around the gospel. If there is any conflict, help us, O oh God, to work through them so that the gospel will shine brighter and brighter here in Rustenburg, here in our communities. Pray that you help us as a church to love and honor you and to agree in the Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.